While The Exorcist needs no introduction, like any popular success, it warrants the occasional revisit to look at what sets it apart. For example, can we imagine it being released today to the same over-the-top initial audience excitement? Probably not, but then why not? Obviously times change, but what contributed to the film's popularity, and why do those qualities fall a little flat today? Why does it seem more of an antique from a particular time in fashion than a classic that moves despite changed expectations? Certainly the story of demonically possessed Regan McNeil, Linda Blair, remains horrifying, but that should be a minimum expectation from a horror film. More suggestive is the uneasy combination of the superficial realism popular in the early 70s and a half-baked morality play about guilt and redemption. For how do you make a realistic film about demonic possession? You can wallow in gruesome details, but there is more to realism than blood, expletives, or the needlessly explicit medical procedures Regan endures. There is no sense of a greater lived world rent violently by the horror of danger to anyone else. Just where does the demon go at the end, for example? This lack of resonance is most apparent in the scenes meant to provide texture around the central action. Police Lieutenant Kinderman, Lee J. Cobb, is a movie lover who uses cinematic chit-chat to ingratiate himself with others, for example, but how do you mix small talk with extreme profanity, levitation, torrents of blood, religious desecration, and the demon's favorite mode of self-expression, vomiting pea soup? Guilt-ridden Father Karras, Jason Miller, broods to only moderately more successful effect as the film slows to a crawl while he struggles with his feelings. His cramped priest's cell and his mother's New York City slum home are convincingly clammy, but they do not have much to do with the main action and certainly nothing to do with Regan or the demon. Karras's self-torture about his mother's death exists for the demon to exploit during their final confrontation. It is too contrived and diagrammatic for us to share his grief or even be believable. To be sure, the concluding exorcism sequences and the flying furniture that precede it are harrowing, but they also point to the film's limitations. A testament to early 70s visual and physical effects, they look a little passé next to contemporary digital wizardry. A movie should not be measured by its special effects, but because The Exorcist relies heavily on such tricks, they inevitably lack impact when surpassed by shinier prestidigitation. That only the exorcism scenes really engage suggests that the most familiar, fear-inducing horror is paying the bills, not the self-flagellating guilt and pseudo-realism wrapped around it like a diseased blanket. In other words, if The Exorcist manages still to deliver, it is because it exploits tried-and-true chills shared with far less expensive and pretentious efforts. <laughs>